This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. Ford's Jim Farley fired a warning shot past the UAW yesterday. Speaking to the investment community at Wolf Research Global Auto Conference, he said Ford will now have to think very carefully about its manufacturing footprint. Here's our own translation of what that means. Ford builds more vehicles in the U.S. and employs more UAW workers than General Motors or Stellantis. And from a cost standpoint, that puts Ford at a competitive disadvantage. But from a union relationship standpoint, it's paid off handsomely, with the company avoiding UAW strikes over the last 40 years. However, that all changed last year when the union struck Ford's most profitable plants, which the company says cost it $1.7 billion in lost profits. So we think that going forward, Ford will rebalance its manufacturing footprint with more production going to Mexico and Canada. And we would bet that low-cost EV that Farley's been talking about is definitely not going to end up in any UAW plant. He says that any new EV that Ford comes out with has to be profitable within 12 months. GM's Mary Barra spoke at that same conference that Farley did, and she talked about a lot of things. But one of the things that stands out to us is that she wished GM had spent more time in planning and risk assessment before it plunged into making electric vehicles. Barra also said that she wished she had built up GM's software team earlier. Right now, GM is running into a string of embarrassing glitches with the software in some of its EVs and even some of its ICE trucks. Last May, GM hired Mike Abbott from Apple, and he brought in a team of software engineers from Google, Apple, and Meta to change the way that GM does its software development. Barra says this will be a year of execution for GM, both with software and electric vehicles. Carlos Tavares, the CEO of Stellantis, wasn't at that Wolf Research Conference yesterday, but he did have a lot to say to investors and the media after the company released its 2023 earnings. Unlike GM and Ford, he says Stellantis is not cutting back on its EV investments. He says they're going full speed ahead. In fact, Tavares claims that the EVs Stellantis sells are already profitable not as profitable as the company's ICE vehicles, he admits, but getting closer. Stellantis is only just getting ready to sell its first EVs in the U.S., but in Europe last year, it sold over 144,000 electric Opals, Peugeots, Fiats, and Citroëns. And sticking with Stellantis, it has an inventory problem in the U.S., as in too much of it. According to Cox Automotive, the industry average day supply is 70 days, But Chrysler and Dodge have at least twice that, and Jeep and Ram are also well above the average. So to help fix it, Ward's Auto reports that Stellantis is aiming to reduce its inventory by one-third through incentives and repricing some of its high-volume models. And the automaker says dealers are on board with this goal. Stellantis has already started lowering prices of models to help boost sales, and it says it plans to do so for the models that make up the majority of Jeep's volume. Rivian teased its new R2 model that's going to be unveiled on March 7th. It will open up reservations, which is a fully refundable $100 deposit during the live stream reveal. Prior teaser images show that it will likely be a small SUV, and Rivian has said the model will cost between $40,000 and $50,000. 
about half of its current models. The R2 is also expected to qualify for the $7,500 federal tax credit, which means its starting price could be as low as $32,500. That's about all the details we have for now, but we will learn more about the R2 in just a few weeks. We want to know what drives your testing, OTA, connected car, diagnostics, remote testing, Intrepid Control Systems is here to help you work from anywhere. Intrepid Control Systems, driven by your data. Scout Motors broke ground on its brand new plant in the U.S. and we're learning more details about the company's plans. But it's probably still going to be three years before we see a production vehicle on the road. The plant in South Carolina is located near highways, shipping ports, as well as major cities, and will produce premium all-electric off-road trucks and SUVs for the VW-owned brand. At its peak, it will be able to make up to 200,000 vehicles a year. Actual production is targeted to start at the end of 2026, and retail sales will kick off soon after. South Korea changed up its policy for EV subsidies and it helps out Hyundai and Kia. Part of the new requirements go after higher prices, lowering the cap by $2,000 to $41,000. But several companies, including Tesla, quickly slash prices to still qualify for some of the incentives. But South Korea also slashed subsidies for EVs with low-performance batteries like LFP, which are used by Tesla and BYD. The maximum incentive is roughly $4,800, and in some cases, Hyundai and Kia EVs now have a cost advantage of several thousand dollars. However, if this really has an impact on companies like Tesla and BYD, it would be naive to think that they couldn't just easily make the switch to a different battery type. Despite the slowdown in EV demand, it's still the fastest growing segment in the U.S. market. According to S&P Global, EV registrations were up 23% in December and accounted for 8.8% of the overall car market. But that growth didn't come from the top three EV brands in the U.S., Tesla, Ford, and Chevy. It came from other brands. Tesla registrations were up just 11% in December. Ford was up 13% and Chevy was down 26% because it stopped making the bolt. Meanwhile, Hyundai's EV registrations shot up 62%, Rivian was up 73%, and BMW increased its by 86%. Those three brands are now fourth, fifth, and sixth in EV registrations. Overall, last year EV registrations in the U.S. were up 52% and accounted for 7.7% of the market. There's a ton of factors that determine your actual driving range, no matter what powertrain type your vehicle has. And EV makers continue to make improvements to their range calculators so that owners can more accurately game plan their charging. In addition to adding things like headwinds, crosswinds, humidity, ambient temperature, and tire pressure into its calculation, Tesla recently updated the system so it considers the age of the battery as well. The update also added a new feature that shows how much battery preconditioning time is needed before going to a charging station, which could be a response to all those owners in Chicago who thought their cars were broken when they tried charging in below freezing temperatures without preconditioning. 
hydrogen fuel cell vehicles will never catch on until there's a hydrogen infrastructure to supply the fuel. But what if you didn't need a station on every corner? On Autoline After Hours yesterday, Larry Burns, the former head of R&D at General Motors, talked about a radical new way of delivering hydrogen that doesn't need much infrastructure. Scientists have been working on new classes of material. One class of material is called graphene, which is a very thin material with, with a huge surface area. And they're creating ways to put hydrogen into matrices of these materials. And the hydrogen doesn't chemically bond to the surface. It's held in place by these forces of how atoms interact with each other. They're called van der Waal forces. And it looks like we can get the same amount of hydrogen at 50 bar as we have at 700 bar. So that means a cartridge, like the cartridge I have under my sink to filter my water, becomes a viable way to give me hydrogen. Now imagine if my car sitting in my driveway and through my connectivity, Amazon knows four of my eight cartridges are empty and they're bringing me this part for my kitchen drawer, they throw four cartridges of hydrogen in, the marginal cost of getting me my hydrogen is zero because they're coming anyhow. They swap out my empties, put in my fulls, and I'm not worrying about this one bit. And Amazon's producing the hydrogen at their fulfillment center using scaled electrolyzers and renewable energy. Do you think Amazon would like to sell energy? Yes. Do you think it's a breakthrough to not have fixed infrastructure? at corner gas stations or at recharging and parking structures. It's a breakthrough, John. And by the way, when Larry talks about the 700 bar of pressure used in today's hydrogen fuel tanks, that translates to 10,000 PSI. The 50 bar of pressure in these new graphene tanks translates to 720 PSI. You can catch that entire interview right now on our website and YouTube channel. And we talked about a lot more than just hydrogen. But that brings us to the end of today's show and this week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope that you have a great weekend. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, solutions for your journey, and by Intrepid Control Systems, over-the-air engineering, boost your game, Wards is the industry leader for news, data, and analysis. That's why companies across the globe subscribe to our premium service, maybe even your own. Log in for subscriber access now. Check your company's intranet for details and rely on wardsauto.com to keep you informed.